Good evening. Welcome out to New Regular Baptist Church. Uh, we're gathered here with the Taylors, Tim and Kathy, and this is our evening service for Sunday, April 5th, our evening service. And I'm going to ask Tim here to, to open with a passage of scripture, something that has meant a lot to him. After that, we will pray, and then we'll jump right into the interview uh, for this evening. So Tim, will you open with the passage, and then we'll pray. Well, the passage that came to mind to me was, uh, I'm sure, a common passage to many, but it's Philippians 4. I'm really going to focus on verses 5 through 7, or 4 through 7. And what we've got here is, is Paul talking to the church in Philippi, and it's about being united and being joyful and being in prayer for each other and, and just for in general. And so Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. These verses have been verses that I have, I have held to, clung to my entire life. And they're verses that uh, we can cling to even now as we go through these difficult times and as we consider ways of, of helping others maybe through the anxiety even or with our own anxiety. But what I want to focus on is that prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We can pray and we are to pray and, and present our concerns to Christ, to God, and we're to do it with thanksgiving. And even in our anxieties and in our struggles, we can do it with thanksgiving because ultimately God is in control and there's nothing that we can do apart from Him. So as we pray and we, we give supplication, we do it with thanksgiving. And we let our requests be made known to God. And through that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This passage has helped me through many things, and as you think about your own lives, whether it's dealing with um, depression and the things that come with that, or through financial struggles, or through a loss of a loved one, or through even this time of sickness and, and unsurety and, and what's going to happen in the future, we know who's in control. We can have peace in God and peace that He understands what's going on and cares for us and will uh, is ultimately in control of that. So He will, it will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So that's really what I wanted to, to bring out. That's, like I said, a passage that's meant a lot to me throughout my life and has helped me through many things and will continue to help me through those things as I trust the Lord and as He gives me peace to uh, and, and guides us in our lives. Amen. Thank you. That, that's a great place to start this conversation. And we're going to open with a word of prayer and then we'll jump right into it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is in control. That we do have a rock to which we can run. And in the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, that, that we have reason not to be anxious, not to worry, not to fear, but to trust. And I pray that in these uncertain days that you would give us faith to cling to you, to trust in you. And that you would give us, as we do trust, give us the peace that passes understanding. 
Even in the midst of uncertain times, we have a certain God, and we have a God who does not change. And we pray that that would be an encouragement to us, that we would run not to worry, but we would run to the truth of your word. We pray that you'd be honored in this time together as we gather, as we have this conversation, as we listen along, uh, wherever we may be, that you would be lifted up and that your spirit would work through your word for your glory. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So for our first question, I kind of want to start with that question that I've used in several of the other interviews. Um, and that's just that, as I mentioned, we are in uncertain times. Uh, this COVID-19, it's, it's thrown us all for a loop. This is not something we've walked through before as a church uh, or as individuals, as families. And so in light of that, what is a specific passage or general biblical truth that's been particularly, particularly encouraging to you uh, in this time? Well, as I just, just shared, that Philippians passage for me is, again, one of those passages that just continues to get me through many struggles, many trials that we face, and, and even not in struggles or trials, it continues to to be an encouragement that we do have a God that we can trust and he wants us to take our anxieties, he wants us to take everything to him in prayer and, and in thanksgiving to him and he will give, that, give us that peace that he desires for our lives. We'll go right on to our next question then, uh, along those lines, that, that, that hope that we have in Christ, um, what would you mind sharing your salvation testimonies with us? How has God worked uh, in your life to lead you to salvation? Sure, I'll go first. Um, I was born into a Christian family. Uh, some of my very earliest memories are sitting around our dining room table at night doing family devotions. And I remember as a young girl knowing that I was missing out on something. Um, I had heard many times the story of Jesus dying on the cross, I had heard about him rising again, and I knew in my mind that he had died for my sins, but it was not personal yet. Um, and I remember so many times, every Sunday, going to church and being in Sunday school, and I was taught the word from a very young age. Um, one Sunday in particular, I remember my Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Warner, was teaching us a lesson and it was a passage where Jesus says, let the little children come unto me. And at that moment, I, it hit me that I could come to Jesus. And I knew that that was something that I needed to do. Um, I went home and I was very nervous. I did not know how to talk to my parents about that. So I put it off. And I just remember the next morning, I was being less than my best. I was not behaving, and I got in trouble. And I knew at that point that there was no way to deny that I was a sinner, even as a five-year-old. So my sister and I were doing dishes. I was helping her. And I remember asking my sister, how can I be saved? And I thought she would just tell me, and that would be the end. But she knew that it was such a big question that she took off and she went and got my mom. I remember my mom taking me into um, the study and just going over passages with me, making sure that I understood. Um, she went over John 3.16 with me, and I remember that she went over passages in Romans. She talked to me 
to make sure that I knew that I was a sinner and that there was nothing I could do to be good enough. Um, the wages of sin is death, and I knew that. And so it was there in my dad's study that I bowed and I repented of my sins. I asked for forgiveness, and I gave my love, my life to the Lord. And since then, it's been amazing to watch each of our children. Um, I was so thankful for my own salvation, but now as an adult, watching my own children come to that point of realizing their sin and, and recognizing it and repenting of it, that has made my own salvation seem even more special to me. Well, like Kathy, my story is very much like hers, but the, uh, the testimony of God's saving grace in my life, I was blessed to be placed in a, in a family with a mom and dad who were both believers. And so I was exposed to God's word and the gospel from the very beginning. They had us in church all the time. And because of that, I was able to hear the, the Bible stories and the different things that uh, you teach the kids, uh, but ultimately the gospel of Jesus Christ. Also, I was uh, privileged uh, yeah, I'll say it was pri I was privileged to also have parents who followed Ephesians 6, especially verse 4, where it says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training or nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that, in that training included necessary discipline. And if you can believe it or not, I, I required some discipline. So may may surprise some of you. But that also helped me understand that through the Holy Spirit and God's Word made me aware that I, because of those things, that, that I deserve that discipline for my parents, that that was sin. And, and that is what Christ came to die on the cross for, was those sins. And so, as a young child, I placed my faith in, in Christ uh, for my salvation and the forgiveness of my sins and the... John 3.16, Romans 6.23 are all verses that uh, point us to the fact that we are, are sinners and that Christ came to die for those sins and to, to see us saved, and that is the gospel. Now, baptism was a little bit different for me. I struggled a lot with baptism. You know, the idea of salvation, forgiveness of sin, I, I knew that I needed that forgiveness of sin, but baptism... Uh, that, sh that outward showing of what God had done in my life, obviously not for salvation, but just that first step of, o that step of obedience, that following through, I struggled with that. Was I ready? I'm saved. Am, am I ready to follow God with my whole life? And it took me quite some time. So as a young child, three, four years old, I was saved, but it wasn't until I was 13 that I finally understood what baptism was and that it was that it was needed in order for me to obey God and to show others that I was a believer. And so at 13, I accepted Christ as my Savior. Or I mean, I was baptized. So. Amen. Even as you are uh, listening to those, those testimonies of God's grace and salvation in each of their lives, maybe you've come to the realization that, that you've never placed your faith in Christ. Maybe you don't have a testimony. Um, I would encourage you, if that's the case, um, contact us here at the church or, or someone else that you know who, who, who loves the Lord and, and can point you to God's word and lead you to Christ. Uh, I would encourage you to look to Ephesians 2, the first 10 verses, 
Um, and it, it shows us that, that we were dead in our sins, and yet God sent His Son. He reached to us, and He offers us salvation if we will but trust in Him. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, I would encourage you uh, to do that even this evening. Now I kind of want to go in a little bit of a, a different direction. Um, and can you all tell us a little bit about the circumstances surrounding Logan's birth um, and the, the difficulties that you all faced in that? Well, Logan is our fourth child, and uh, he just turned nine last week, so we're praising God for that. But this, the circumstances around his birth are uh, a little hard to talk about, and, and uh, we'll bring some things up that... Uh, Oftentimes we don't like to remember, but uh, I want to start out with Psalm 90, verse 2, that says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or even you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And, and it's in that hope that uh, we know that no matter what happens, no matter the circumstances around anything in our lives, that God, He knew it before it happened, and He is in ultimate control of everything that takes place. And so... We knew that there was something wrong from the very beginning of Kathy's pregnancy. We, I mean, she was constantly at the doctor, lots of tests, lots of things, and the struggles, the pains that she had. We knew that there was a problem with the pregnancy. And we found out fairly early what that problem was. Um, I won't go into all the details of it, but because of that, we had to be very careful. Uh, she had to be careful in how she handled herself, she had to be bed rest and, and careful just in doing daily activities. But it really didn't hit us, or hit me, the what it was going to be like until we hit the, the 28th week of her pregnancy and things with her body began to happen that were just, there was nothing that was going to stop it besides God. And God chose not to stop those things that were taking place. And so, on a Sunday evening, um, we rushed her to the hospital, and the doctor said, we are not equipped to handle this. He, that child is 11 weeks, 12 weeks early at that point, uh, so at, at 28 weeks, and we do not have what it takes to care for that child here at this hospital. And so I watched Kathy be loaded into an ambulance and, and uh, rushed him rushed down from Mason City, at the time we were living in Mason City, to Des Moines, to the hospital. And uh, for me, that was difficult, because I wasn't allowed to go with her. Um, and so that, um, that two-hour trip by myself from Mason City to Des Moines was very difficult. And the things that went through my mind, and just the different emotions trying to process everything, first of all, knowing that God was in control was still frustrated and angry. It was overwhelming. And then the roller coasters of emotions that took place in the next weeks and months. But it was, I was so glad that I had a church family behind me and I had God's word and I had Christ, the Holy Spirit with me that could work me through that anger and bitterness which it was um, towards God, towards just the situation 
transferring that to from anger and bitterness to fear and just numbness of what is going on. And then, as I talked about earlier, the Philippians passage, just that as I laid those fears and that anger at God's feet and said, it's yours, and that peace that came, and although there were struggles, and when, you, when I took my eyes off of God, that peace went away. But it was when I was able to refocus on God and know that He was in control, that peace returned. And the hope that with that peace that returned with it, um, God just worked through us in such a mighty way. And, you know, Kathy arrived at the hospital fine. We settled in at the hospital Sunday night. And then we spent the next week just trying to keep, the, the goal was to keep little man inside of her body for as long as possible because that was the safest place for him to be. That's where he would do his most growing. That's where he would be the safest. And, and so the goal was to keep him inside as long as possible. And we made it through a week. We got to Friday night and we knew something was wrong. And Friday night we prayed and we said, God, you know, if it's your will, keep him inside. But if not, we know that he's where he needs to be. He's at a hospital that had good doctors, good nurses, uh, the equipment to take care of him. And ultimately, we had a God that loved him far more than we could ever love him. Um, and that was the hope we had and we clung to. And so she, so that, uh, sad, that Friday night was very rough. We both, both felt that there was not something right. And by Saturday morning, the anxiety for me was just there. I just couldn't do anything with it. And the nurses did their rounds and came in. I said, something's not right. You've got to call the doctor. And she said, no, we did our thing. Everything's fine. You just, we know you're nervous. We know that you're concerned, but everything's fine. That God did not allow, although it was, I, I don't want to say anxious. I mean, as far as, I mean, I had a peace through the anxiety. But for some reason, I was God was not allowing that anxiousness to leave me, and so I went back, found another nurse, and said something is not right. You need to get the doctor here. And she listened and, and showed concern and, and did call the doctor. The doctor arrived. This doctor we had, I can't remember his name, but he was a a great doctor. Uh, he was very calm through this whole process. He did a good job of comforting us through this whole whole process. He arrived. He looked at those charts. He he uh, did a, uh, a a short little. Um, he talked with us. Did what he needed to do, and and I knew because he had been calm and comforting this whole thing that he was concerned because his whole demeanor changed, and I could hear him out in the hallway yelling at those nurses, "Why didn't you get me here sooner?" And they prepped her, but it was not. It was. One of those preppings for surgery for for the C-section, but it was rushed. It was they got her done, prepped in in just a matter of minutes, and when she came out, he he was born. They removed him from from Kathy, and he was born, and he was doing quite well for the struggles he had gone through. But they took Kathy back. And at this point, now I'm concerned about losing, losing both of them. 
So they took Kathy back, got her hooked up, did a drug blood transfusion because she had lost so much blood that they weren't sure she was going to make it through the C-section. So their goal was just to save one of them at that point. And I am so thankful that, that God allowed, um, allowed both of both Kathy and Logan to make it through. They gave us the right doctors and the right timing and just everything worked through that. And the care that was shown to Kathy and Logan was such a blessing. And the care that, if, that was shown to our uh, family by our earthly family and by our church family was just, uh, uh, it was something else. I mean, it's undescribable, the care that they showed us, families that, that took our children for weeks, let them live with them so that we could have time away with, with Logan and, and work through this. And then the prayers that were sent heavenward from believers all over Iowa, all over the United States, many here at this church who didn't even know who we were at that time were praying for us and beyond that all over the world and that was just so overwhelming we got letters and notes from missionaries all over the world saying we're praying for you and then just recognizing God's faithfulness through us to us through the circumstances was just amazing and that he you know and that would have been amazing regardless of the outcome. We, we had gotten to the point where we were trusting God with the outcome. Whether, he, whether Logan made it, whether Kathy made it, whether we knew that his, they were in his hands and that the outcome was secure in him. And so I go to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 um, that say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. And so through this whole thing, I learned that I can trust God no matter what. And I need to trust God no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the outcome. And so I'm just so thankful that my God is sovereign and that my God is in control of everything. Logan was born the end of March, and he was due in the middle of June, so he was very, very tiny. Um, he was 2 pounds and 14 ounces when he was born. The first day, he did okay. He was holding his own. He um, was not even on a ventilator. And I had just kind of let myself believe that everything's okay. Yeah, he's little, but we're good to go. And in the next weeks, God really did a work in my heart um, and a work in our family. He was born on Saturday, and by Tuesday, he had taken a downward spiral. The doctors came in and basically let us know that we're not sure that he's going to make it. You need to prepare yourselves. And I remember just kind of being in a state of disbelief, thinking God would not do that to us. And really just trying to find any sort of comfort from myself that I could. And I remember the doctor's parting words to me as he left. He said to me, you were supposed to stay pregnant longer. And he left. And I'm sure in his mind that didn't mean a whole lot, but I took that as guilt on myself. And for the next few weeks, I struggled. 
I struggled emotionally, I struggled spiritually. Logan was about three weeks old, and Tim had, in the past week, been very faithfully in his Bible, and I would watch him in Logan's room. And he looked at me one day and he said, you have your Bible here, but I haven't seen you open it yet. And I hadn't. I was angry. I did not want to be vulnerable because I knew that if I opened my Bible, that God would start working. And I was frustrated. And I was so afraid that if I opened my Bible and I started seeing my sin, that that would be one more thing I had to deal with. And I didn't have an answer for him. We took each day a moment at a time. Um, every day was spent in the hospital with Logan, um, tests done, good news, bad news, ups and downs. Um, there were so many times that um, we would ask questions and the nurses wouldn't have answers for us. We don't know the doctor hasn't been in yet. Or, oh, you just missed the doctor, you can find out tomorrow. And, and it was just a real sense of being unsettled, always questioning and never really feeling like we had answers. The nurses were amazing, the doctors were amazing, but just in our concern and worry for, for Logan, it often seemed like we had way more questions than they had answers for. And I think God used that in my life to really let me know, you don't have to know. You can rely on me. It came to a point where Tim's vacation time ran out. Um, and so we were spending Monday through Thursday back home with our kids. And then on Friday through Sunday night, we spent down here with Logan. And Tim was very good about saying, Sundays, we're going to be in church. We're going to find churches to go to, and we're going to be in church. And this, we need this. We need fellow brothers and sisters, and we need to be hearing his word. And I don't know if that was Tim getting me to a place where I had to listen to the word because I wasn't opening my Bible, or if, if it was just this is what we're going to do. He needed it as well. We went to many different churches. Um, we knew a lot of churches in the area, and so we would visit one, and then the next week be at another one. And oftentimes, we left those churches, no one said a word to us. I was hurting, and I was needing someone not involved in the situation to wrap their arms around me, and it wasn't happening. And then we came to Altoona. I didn't know a soul here. Tim knew Pastor Humberg, and that was why we had come. Um, but it had been many, many years since Tim had even seen Pastor Humberg. And so we came, and I was expecting the same old, we would go in, sit down, and get up and leave, and that would be it. And a number of people literally wrapped their arms around us. They didn't know us. Sherry Newman introduced herself, like I have since then, seen her do so many times to visitors. And Tim introduced us, and she said, oh, 
you're the couple we've been praying for. And I will never forget that as long as I live. Many people asked, are we visiting? And we were able to share what was going on in our lives. And, and many people said, oh, well, we will be praying for you and praying for your little guy. And I was so encouraged by that. And just before we left, Pauline Prawl, I didn't know who she was, but Pauline Prawl, this sweet little lady, came up to me and I thought it would be the same thing that she would say, oh, we're praying for Logan. And she didn't. As we were getting ready to leave, Pauline stopped me and she said, I want you to know that I'm praying for you. And I was ready to say thank you and turn around and walk away. And, and she said, whether your baby lives or dies, I'm praying for you. And I'm praying that you will be faithful and I'm praying that this will cause you to be more like Christ. And I was angry. <laughs> I was horrified that someone would mention that my baby might die. It wasn't until crisis in my mind was over and Logan was doing better. We knew Logan was going to come home. That I began to recall and think about what Pauline had said. And God used this woman that I had no idea who she was as a way to get my attention and to show me that, Kathy, you are being unfaithful. You are relying on yourself, and you're not relying on the Lord. And the change that God brought, God brought about in our lives through people that we didn't even know. I wasn't opening my Bible, so I wasn't getting encouragement there, but he used a little old woman that I didn't know to kind of smack me in the face and say, get with it, Kathy. You can rely on God. And from there, things began to change in my heart. We also had a nurse that really ministered to us, Jana Harmon. The very next day, we had stayed an extra night. Tim was working on a Bible study while we were sitting there with Logan. And nurse came in, we'd met her before, and she asked him what Bible study he was working on, and, and he told her, and she said, oh, we're doing that in Sunday school. Well, immediately we were interested, where do you go to church? And she said, well, I go to El Tuna Regular Baptist Church. And we had just been there the day before, and, and all of this had happened. And so God just used the people in our lives when I would not open my Bible. And God used his word even when I wouldn't open my Bible. He would bring scripture to mind, and, and he used that in a way that brought me back to himself and taught me what it means to be faithful even when circumstances are bad, even when you don't know whether your child is going to make it through the day. God is in the midst of that storm, and while I'm maybe trying to pray the storm away. He's in the midst of it, and he's using it to bring me closer to himself. And had we not had that situation with Logan, I don't know that we could say that we are spiritually where we are today because of what he used in our life to bring us closer to him. And so we are thankful. It is hard to remember back and to remember those days of of watching the doctors and nurses fight to keep Logan alive. We know that God is the sustainer, and we know that God is the one that 
that brought him through it. And we also know that God is the one that we can rely on and that that ultimately is the only thing we can rely on. So we are we are thankful. We wouldn't want to necessarily go through it again. <laughs> but we are so thankful that he taught us what he needed to teach us and that we can rely on him. Thank you all for sharing that with us. I know that's not easy to think back on and, and to, to speak about, but thank you for your willingness to do that. Um, building right on that, um, having come through a difficult experience like that, uh, what encouragement or advice would you offer to others? I guess for me, the thing that I took away from it the most, uh, maybe not the most, but one of the things I took away from it the most was that there were people praying for us and caring for us and we need to be willing to let people pray for us and care for us and we need to be willing to care and pray for other people as well as they go through their different trials and even through their excitement that we're, we're told to Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep and lift them up in prayer. And so for me, that has been very convicting. Uh, it, it, requires, it requires you to be vulnerable, to be open, uh, which is not easy. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that, that thinks that. Because when you open yourself up to be vulnerable, you open, up yourself, you open yourself up to... To God, to God working, and we shouldn't be afraid of that, but we do, and sometimes we are afraid of what God might do in us when we're vulnerable, but we need to be willing to be vulnerable and open, and one of the other things is ultimately our hope is in the Lord, and our circumstances, no matter what they are, do not change who God is and where our hope should be, so for me those are the two things that I took away from that. One of the verses that I don't remember when I learned it, it was many years ago, um, but ultimately became very precious to me. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And in those times of trial, we, we really did learn that God's grace was sufficient, and we learned that we really could rely on him when the most terrible things happen to you. God's grace is still sufficient. There's been a song lately that our family has been singing a lot, um, Constantly Abiding. And the other thing that um, became very important to me and, and one of the lessons that I learned through it was to constantly abide in him so that when those trials do come, you're already abiding him and you're already leaning on him. And so those would be my um, things of advice is realize that his grace is sufficient even in the worst of times and that if you are abiding in him, your relationship with him and the closeness with him um, carries you through those times and, and you lean on him instead of on yourself. As far as dealing with others who are going through a time like that, lift them up in prayer and let them know that you're praying. And sometimes the hard things need to be said. Um, 
and letting them know that you're praying, not just that the circumstance will go away, but that God will work through them. Now I want to go in a little bit of a different direction. Um, I guess still sticking with kids and parenting. Um, but you all have a wide range of parenting experience. You have high schoolers all the way down to kindergarten. Um, so with that in mind, what advice would you give to maybe newer parents who are overwhelmed or whatever? What advice would you give? That is a big question. So, um, you know, I, I start with looking at my, my own self, and I guess I'm taken to, you know, the, the along with many other things that God is. God is gracious and He's merciful. And he's loving, he's, he's patient, he's kind, he's long-suffering, and he's forgiving. And for me, that's where parenting starts. Parenting starts recognizing that I need those things from God on a daily basis myself, because I'm not perfect. And when we try to be perfect, a lot of times we, we fail, especially in parenting, we fail our children and showing them what it means to struggle through maybe uh, a sin or an area in your life that you struggle with and then um, helping them learn from it or, or using God's word to teach them with that. And you know, I, I need God to extend me his grace and his mercy and his love and his patience and his kindness and his loving, long-suffering and his forgiveness because all I am is a saved sinner. I'm, I'm flawed. I mean, that's what I am. I'm, I'm a flawed follower of Christ. And so I need those things from God long before I could ever be able to start even thinking about how I'm going to answer this question as far as parenting. But since you asked the question, um, you know, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 is probably a place that most of us go when it comes to the, those questions of parenting. I'm just going to read it real quick. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Uh, and like my father did, uh, brought me up in the, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is what I seek to do with my children. And as I think through this passage, my, my mind just goes to, it really has very little to do with me. And it has everything to do with God. The, the training comes from God's word. The admonition comes through me, but from God's word. The, uh, the discipline comes from me, but through God's word and the training that we have. And To be good parents, we need to be in God's word. And I kind of laid it out like this. I start with, you know, for me, it's pray. That's the first thing you can do is pray and then teach them. Teach them. Use God's Word to teach them. Teach them the truths of God's Word. Uh, we can teach them through our lives as well. Uh, I think that I'm going to probably lump that more in with training when they, then they watch us and see us. But we need to use God's Word to teach them. And then guess what? We need to 
pray again. I got to pray again. And from the, after praying, then train them, show them what it means to be a follower of Christ, what that looks like lived out. And not just when they're with you. It needs to be something that we do daily, constantly. And that's a challenge for me because, I, like I said, I'm flawed. I'm a, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And I'm constantly reminded of where I fall short. And for my, my kids, and probably more, you know, except for the exception of my wife, they get a front row seat to my failures. And so we need to be humble in, in our training of our children and understand that we've, we fail too. And we need God's uh, grace and His patience and His love and His kindness and His forgiveness. And we need to discipline them. I know that sounds, you know, oh, we can't discipline. Yes, we need to discipline our children. That's something that we started at, as a young age. But that discipline is not... At times, sometimes, maybe it needs to be heavy-handed, but it's, it needs to be thoughtful more than anything. Uh, if you're not thoughtful in your training, you're going to turn your children away from you and away from God faster than anything. So I've made it a point in my life to be thoughtful in how I discipline. And so before I discipline, I sit them down and I say, do you understand what you've done? Take them to God's Word. And then, yes, I to spank them or I have to sit them in the corner I have to take something away from them to show them that that because of that sin or because of that disobedience there are consequences for that we also reward them when they do good though you don't want to just focus on the, the discipline you want to reward them when they do well as well encourage them so that again uh, verse verse 4 do not provoke your children to rally to encourage them when they do well as well and uh, help them understand that that is in our own little way as best we can we are reflecting Christ to them and so we as parents have a very big responsibility and then from the training guess what pray again that's for me it's more prayer and then trust trust that God will do what he's promised, that we can also trust him to do what's best for our children's lives. And as we train them and as we raise them to be followers of Christ, it's not ultimately up to us. It's God that does it. And he uses us to raise our children. And, to, and, and then after trusting God and entrusting them to God, we pray some more. And ultimately, I hope what you're getting from this is pray. Pray, pray, pray. Um, do those things that are in God's Word that we need to do, the teaching, the training, the trusting. And then John, 3 John 1, 4. For me, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. That is my desire. And we don't raise our... We do not raise our children to be good just for the sake of being good either. We raise them um, to be Christ-like in every aspect of their lives. Because if you just raise your children just to be good, they're going to miss some things, and it's not going to be it's not going to be effective. Now, for us, for me practically, or for us as a family practically, um, we dedicated our children even before they were born. While Kathy was pregnant, we dedicated our children to the Lord. 
to be used of the Lord and however he saw fit. We also dedicated them publicly after they were born um, to just say we want you to keep us accountable. We want others to keep us accountable in how we're raising and training our children. And then we dedicate them daily in prayer. And I am thankful for my parents and my uh, father and mother-in-law who as well lift our children up daily in prayer. And because without that support, it would be very difficult to, uh, to raise them or to train them. And so those are just different things. Uh, one th other thing, spending time with them. I hope my children know, I think they do, when I get home from work, they have my, as soon as I'm, I'm done greeting my wife, their mom, they have my undivided attention. And I make sure that I get to each one of them and give time to them if they have questions. Just share things that happen during the day. Just give them time. Um, listen to them. Learn them. So I learn my children. So I, I know how to teach them better and I know how to be involved. And then to encourage them to be Christ, to Christ's likeness. So for me, I just try to remember that I'm, I'm not perfect, but God is. His word must permeate every aspect of my life and their life, public and private. And so as we, as we raise and train our children, those are the things that uh, come to my mind and, and things that we focus on. One thing that um, was very important to us when we found out we were expecting our oldest was um, we'd come across the passage, and we'd read it many times before, but um, actually Pastor Josh covered it on Sunday, last Sunday, and it was, um, choose you this day whom you will serve. And that became what we tried to strive for in our house. Who or what are you going to serve? If we're going to serve the Lord in our home, then the decisions we make with our children need to reflect that. If something else is more important, um, if sports are more important, or if popularity or money is more important, then our, our actions are going to reflect that. And so we chose um, the passage in, in Joshua. It says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we just determined very early on that that was how we wanted to raise our children, to know how to serve and love the Lord. And in order to teach them that, we also have to be loving and serving the Lord and, and showing them what that looks like. We have a sign that hangs in our home right between our kitchen and dining room, and it says, Christ is the center of our home, a guest at every meal, and a listener of every conversation. And we fail often. Um, we are certainly not perfect, but that is what we try to live by, Christ being the center of our home. And, and we pray that as we raise our children, um, they each have different personalities, and discipline works differently with each of them. What, one, what works for one doesn't work for another. But in that, we try to keep Christ as the center of our home and, and make our decisions based on that. Your whole family is very involved in church. Uh, Tim, you've been a deacon. Uh, before Kathy, you with, with teaching Sunday school, BBS, uh, even Ethan teaching Sunday school. Um, and, and you just, in, all over the church in different ministries, you all are, are involved. It's something that you've purposely done, put yourself out there, you get involved in those things. 
With that in mind, what, what do you think is the importance of being involved in church? What is the benefit? Another big question. Um, you know, ultimately, our, our service is to the Lord, and the way we do that is through the local church. And that's the way what we're taught and what we learn in the Bible is fleshed out. It's, it's how we do it. And then obviously we also go out and witness and share the gospel with our neighbors and coworkers and friends. But as far as serving in the, in the local church, that is how, uh, it's how God's word is lived out. And my, my mind always goes when we start talking about serving to uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 12, that says, as soon as I find it, 12, 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. That just reminds me that I am a part of a body. I'm a part of a the overall body of Christ, but that's lived out in the local church. So we are a body of Christ as a local church, and that body only functions when every part of that body is doing its part. And so the reason for serving is so that this body here can be the most beneficial to in its service to the Lord. And so as a, a body of believers, it's important that we serve. We all have different levels of gifts, different levels of um, just natural gifts and, and God-given abilities that we have and, and spiritual gifts that God's given to us. And if we don't use those the way God intended, then the body doesn't function as it should and, and we don't, uh, we're not as effective as we could be. And so that's really the basis of why our family serves and why we're teaching our children to serve the way we do. And regardless of the task even, each member must work together, uh, whether it's sweeping the floors, whether it's you know being up front, whether it's doing something that people think is absolutely ridiculous. If it helps us as a body of believers, we, we need to do that. Using our God-given abilities is to do that, using our spiritual gifts, and then acting out Christ's example, because he has given us an example of service. That's who he was. He was a servant. And so we look at God's word and use that to show and to uh, help us learn how to serve in our church, how to serve Christ. But what I don't want, I try to teach our children, and for me, and it can be very difficult, you have to be very intentional, is the motives behind why we serve. You know, we don't serve because we gain anything through it as far as salvation. We, you know, we're not saved through our good works. We're not saved by our good works. Ephesians 2.12, 2.10 Sorry. says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're actually saved to good works. And if our motives get messed up, then things go wrong. And we 
can begin to get a little defensive when someone steps in and does what, hey, I wanted to do that, how dare you? Or we can look at our job, our task is not as important, so why are we even doing it? Well, it's because that's what God has saved us to, is to serve Him and to serve others as well. And so that's what we try as a family to emphasize. The other thing, as I'm thinking through this, or as I've thought through this, is Romans 12.1. Many of you already know it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. As believers, we have, should, sometimes it's harder to understand than others, but we should have an understanding that I need to present my whole, my whole self in everything I do to God because that's really that's the least he deserves he deserves far more than that but that's what we have that's what we have to give him is um, our ourselves as a living sacrifice and he expects us to serve because of that and um, we should want to serve him because of that understanding of that the other verse that I have that comes to mind we actually covered this uh, Sunday morning as we, our family sat around the table doing Sunday school was 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 9. And ver verse 7, although we generally think of this as a, a verse about giving to the church I'm going to take some principles out of that. I've been thinking about principles out of this, but uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, to me, just like giving of our finances, we need to give of our time and our abilities and our talents. And it needs to be something, and I pray for us that it is, that we have purposed in our hearts beforehand even that it's not something we're doing because we feel like it or oh that needs to be done so I guess I'll do it but that it we've purposed in our hearts ahead of time that we will serve with our abilities with our time with our talents with our spiritual gifts as God allows us to and then going further that it's not grudgingly it's not out of necessity it's because we love God it's because we love his people and we want to serve them and so those are things that we focus on as a family. That's why um, I feel that being involved in church and serving in church is important. The benefits of it is we get to encourage one another. We get to be involved in each other's lives. Um, and you know, just like parenting, I, I, when we talk about parenting a little bit, we don't want our children just to be good for the sake of being good. For me, I don't want to serve just for the sake of serving. It needs to be intentional, it needs to be thoughtful, it needs to be uh, a willingness to serve God out of what He's done for us, because that's the least that He deserves, is our, is our all. So when we, as a family, sit around and, and think through why we serve, why we do what we do, those are the things that I'm trying to focus on. Along the same lines, I guess I would just say that service, for me, is an outpouring of my love, of 
my gratitude for the Lord, and also my outpouring of love for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, ways that I can show that love, like my children, when they're feeling particularly fond of someone that day, they give what they have. Um, and so I can serve the Lord in the church by giving what I have. Um, I can make meals for somebody. I can um, teach a Sunday school class or, or love on the kids at Kids for Truth or work with the women's ministry. Whatever it is that God is leading me to, um, whatever ministry he has called me to for a time, I can show his love. Um, I can reflect it back to him, and I can also show his love to those that I am working with and, and just to show them how much God loves them and show them how much that I appreciate and love them. One of the ways that you guys have specifically uh, gotten involved and in, in are serving is, is Kathy, you uh, are our VBS director, and you've done that for a couple years now. Um, so just thinking about VBS for this year, what is the theme? Uh, are there still volunteers needed? Uh, maybe questions like, maybe I want to volunteer, but I can't volunteer for the full week. Um, just things like that. Can you talk a little bit about VBS? We're really excited. We are doing RVP's Giddy Up Junction. Um, I've got kids running around the house in cowboy hats and have been for months. <laughs> We're really excited about it. We're doing an Old West theme. And as far as the lessons go, we're going to be traveling through the book of Acts and learning how the church started and how the gospel spread. And so I'm really excited, not only for the, the community kids or the unsaved kids that will come to hear the gospel, but also for those that um, are here all the time, that are saved, and um, just lighten the fire under them and getting them to understand the importance of spreading the gospel. And, and just seeing how that works and how they can participate in that and how they can share the gospel. So we're really excited. Um, as far as volunteers, this year is a little weird because we haven't had people in the foyer for weeks that I can talk to. So um, we are sending out an email that will have all of the areas that you can help um, listed in there. And I would ask that you prayerfully consider how you can help serve. Um, there are areas of teaching and volunteering in, um, as classroom helpers. We need things like decorating, um, running crafts, snacks, games, um, and just anything you could possibly think of as far as, well, what could I do during that week? Give us your time and we'll put you to work. If you're not available that week, first of all, we covet your prayers. We would love to just have a team praying for us, specifically during the week of VBS. Um, I plan on setting, sending around um, a prayer sheet that will list different prayer requests for the week and also time slots that you can sign up so that we know that while we're here and we're teaching the kids, we're running crafts, doing whatever we're doing, that we have people praying for us and praying for salvation of souls. And so that's one way that you can be involved even if you can't be here during the week. Um, there are also things that can be done ahead of time. We always have people who love to teach but hate to decorate. And so we can use people who are gifted in that, in decorating. Um, we can use people to help cut out crafts and things like that. And so there are lots of ways you can get involved. I will surely put you to work. Um, the biggest thing on my mind is promoting. I'm not great at that. So any help that you can be in promoting our VBS, um, 
years past, we have gone door to door, and it just, the last few years, that has not been real effective. Um, people don't answer their doors anymore when someone's trained to knock someone. And so we're really word of mouth as far as people inviting their friends, um, their coworkers, kids, whatever. Um, and so this year, if you have a great idea, let me know, um, and we'll see if we can get it to work. But really promoting and praying are the two main things, um, especially if you're not able to be here during the week. Um, DBS will start July 19th and go through the 24th. And it starts at 6.30 p.m. Hopefully that gives people a time to get home from work and get here. So. I would encourage you to be, be proactive in volunteering. You know, we're not, like she mentioned, we're not able to be here in the foyer. We're not able to, oh, we have a need. I need to go find someone for this. Um, just because of the nature of, of what we find ourselves in. Uh, so be proactive in that. Um, you know, maybe this isn't something you've done in the past, but, but you're willing to this year. Be proactive. Reach out. Don't wait for someone to come to you. Uh, this is a neat opportunity for us to serve, uh, to reach not only uh, our children, to encourage them with the gospel, but even to reach our community. So I encourage you in that. Be proactive uh, in reaching out and being willing to do that as well. As we come to our last question, I would simply ask you all, just, it's a question I'll probably ask every single week. Um, can you simply share a testimony of God's grace in your life over the last year? God has shown himself faithful in lots of ways over the last year, and his grace is far beyond what we deserve. But I, the one thing that comes to my mind uh, the most is that this year, our youngest, Ellie, accepted Christ as her Savior, which means that all five of our children, uh, God has shown them their need for a savior and, and uh, through his grace has led them that direction to where they've accepted Christ as their savior. So we are thankful and, and uh, very thankful that all of our children have made that decision. Um, I have witnessed God's grace this year in just kind of a change of ministry for us. Um, we've been here at the church, been members for seven years and Tim has been a deacon for six of those years. And this year, he went off, and we really started talking about, well, what does that look like for us? How can we still be involved? Um, and he started talking about having more time to visit people, and that scared me to death. But as we talked about it, he talked about, well, I'm not going to do this on my own. Um, and so after a lot of prayer, um, and just feeling like God was leading me to step down from a couple of ministries in order to give time to be able to serve right alongside with Tim. This is kind of the first time in a long time that we've, in the trenches, served right side by side. And so in January, we started just talking to people and how can we help you? What can we do? Can we visit with you? Um, is there physical things that we can do for you? Um, sometimes we have been going to the hospital to visit people. Um, sometimes we take the whole family and we do things like raking leaves. Um, it has been such a blessing to me. I, I really was not expecting it that much. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I have been, simply because I'm an introvert. I Visiting people scared the living daylights out of me. 
So it has been such a blessing just to um, go in and visit with people and, and talk to them and just um, hear their stories of what God has done in their life and in ways that we can help them. And, and I think that I've been way more blessed than they have been, but um, we did that for two months and then COVID-19 came along and now we're back to thinking, okay, now outside the box, how can we still do this? How can we still reach out? And so that's been interesting, but um, it's been an exciting new ministry. God's really been gracious in the way he has blessed us through it. That's awesome. Along the lines, I would encourage all of you uh, in this unique time in COVID-19, being stuck at home, think, be creative. Think about ways that you can reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, bro brothers and sisters here at Altoona Regular Baptist Church. Um, even has been mentioned in, in past interviews, writing letters, calling them. Uh, stay connected, even though we may not be able to gather together currently on Sundays. Uh, stay connected with one another. Pray for one another. Uh, and, and do not neglect that ministry. Well, thank you all for joining us this evening. Thank you, Tim and Kathy, for your willingness to come in and, and to, to open up uh, and to be a blessing to us. Uh, just a few words as we, as we part, as we close here. Um, I would encourage you as families, get together this week, spend some time around the Word of God. Uh, on Wednesdays, gather, uh, maybe spend a little bit of extra time I'll be sending out a Bible study on Wednesdays, uh, maybe gather as a family and go through that. Uh, but try to gather as a family around the Word of God every single day. This is a great opportunity uh, for families to get together around the Word of God, to disciple uh, one another and encourage one another. Uh, one other thing, I would encourage you to, to continue your giving. Uh, I feel weird mentioning this every single week, but if you were here on Sundays, we'd be passing plates and reminding you. We don't have that opportunity, so I'm reminding you now. Uh, worship the Lord in your giving this week. Do not neglect that. Uh, even as we come to close here on a Sunday night, uh, if you have not done that this week, take an opportunity to sit down uh, to worship the Lord in that way, uh, purposefully thinking through that. Um, as we close, Tim, will you close us in a word of prayer? Father, you are so good to us. You are gracious, you are loving, and you are merciful to us. And I thank you for the way that you have dealt with us as people, your willingness to send your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be forgiven of the punishment of our sins and spend eternity with you in heaven where we'll be able to worship you totally, completely, Avoid of any distractions, any any sin that uh, we used to have here on earth. I long for that day to be able to worship you in person. Lord, I thank you for the opportunities that you give us to daily worship you here. And that we have opportunities to, uh, as, we, as we serve, as we go throughout our daily lives, as we work, as we're at home, we can worship you even in those uh, simple moments, Lord. You point yourself out to us. You make yourself clear to us. And I thank you for those opportunities. And Lord, you are, you are Lord of Lord and King of Kings. You haven't uh, given up that seat, and you will not give up that seat. So as we go through these times of difficulty, times of confusion, may we trust you to work out your will in our lives. 
Help us to remember to be faithful to you as you are faithful to us. May we continue to minister to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Lord, especially help us as we are away to remember that someday we will be back together again. And that may that time be sweet. May we long for that time as uh, our, our church body, our church family, our brothers and sisters in Christ is who you have placed us with just to give us a glimpse of heaven as we worship you. So I just pray that we would be faithful in that. And Lord, as we go from here tonight, as we think about the many wonderful things that you've done for us, may we remember that we, we serve you, that we serve a God that, that uh, loves us, and may we be faithful in sharing the gospel with the lost and dying world and the hope that there is in that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.